Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. Revelation chapter 5. Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you for all you're doing in our midst. Lord, it's just, it's so exciting to see a body that's alive. We want to be alive. We want to be serving you. We want to be doing what you'd have us to do, not out of doing things, but because your Holy Spirit is inspired to do them. And we see the results when that takes place. And so, Father, we thank you for the joy, the blessed joy that you allow us to have on this side of heaven. For we know there are billions of billions that do not know Jesus as their Savior. But as we're going to learn this morning, you're reaching out to this whole world. Father, we pray for the situation happening in Israel. We know the rest of the story. They're going to be there. But we just pray for wisdom for all the leaders, Lord. We pray for uh, Russia and Ukraine. We pray for our leaders, as your word says to do. And we pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ specifically, that you would use them to have tremendous boldness to teach the word, to speak about the word, to pray openly, to proclaim your goodness, that there is only one race, the human race, and every single life is precious from conception on. So, Lord, I pray for the gift of teaching this morning. And again, Lord, I just thank you for John. What a blessing to have a living hope that we know where he's at. He's worshiping at your throne, your throne. Holy, holy, holy. It's real. He's there with the billion plus saints who have gone before him. Praising you, Father, seeing your face, seeing Jesus on on his throne, seeing the Holy Spirit. Father, we cannot comprehend it. But we thank you for giving us a glimpse as we're getting a glimpse in Revelation here. Thank you for that glimpse. And Father, I know that he heard. I know that he heard. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. What a blessing from your son's lips to hear that phrase. Bless and comfort Sherry and other family members, Lord. It's it's hard. We have to grieve. We have to go through that process. He will be missed. He was loved and he will be missed. And there will be sorrow. That's natural. So, Lord, comfort them and strengthen them. And again, we thank you and praise you and ask that you use his graduation as a testimony for all that will hear of him and that they will know they need Jesus. John had Jesus. That the only way they're getting to heaven is through Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, you know, as we move through chapter 5, let's remember that John had been invited up to heaven. I believe it talks about the rapture there. Wouldn't argue with you about it, but John has literally stepped into the throne room of God. He has given us some pretty good details about what he saw while there. God the Father is on the throne, and he was the focal point in chapter 4. But in chapter 5 now, he took note of the fact, we took note of the fact last week that Jesus now becomes a focal point and that he was the only one worthy to take the scroll and to break the seven seals thereof. You can get the CD from last week. Jesus is the only one worthy to redeem the title deed to the earth. And as the owner, 
It is now, he is now getting ready to judge its inhabitants accordingly. Remember, when Jesus was on the earth, he said, the Father has given all judgment to me. So Jesus is now ready to judge the earth. It's been roughly 6,000 years since creation took place, and we will soon be entering this final seventh millennium when Jesus comes as with his bride, the church, to rule and reign over this earth. So let's pick it up in verse 8. Revelation chapter 5, verse 8. Well, let's go back to verse 1. And, when I, and I saw in the right hand of him, God, who sat on the throne, a scroll written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? I believe it's a title deed. Again, I wouldn't argue with you about it. And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. That's the bottom line. Nobody could open it, whatever you want to call it. This scroll is very, very significant. And no one, no one, no spiritual being, no human being is able to open it or look upon it. So I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders, one of the 24 elders said to me, Do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders. So in the center. God the Father is his throne. Jesus has his throne, which we don't get a description of the Lord's throne. But he has his own throne. We know that. Holy Spirit has a throne. I believe the Holy Spirit has a throne. The triunity of the Godhead. The three are one. Having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits. Well, I'm sorry. Verse 6 again. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb. And we found out that this is Jesus. As though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes and the seven spirits of God. The seven there is completeness or fullness. Get the study from last week. It's not actual seven different eyes and seven different horns and seven different spirits. But it's talking about the completeness or the fullness sent out into all the earth. Then he, Jesus, came and took the scroll out of the right hand of God, his father, who sat on the throne. Now our text. Now when Jesus had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. You might want to highlight that, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. Now as we're reading this, remember this is future. John is telling us the future. This is not taking place right now. This is going to take place after the rapture, just prior to the great tribulation. So we're getting insight into the future. So you might want to learn this song. You might want to meditate on it, memorize it. You're going to be hearing it. And have made us kings and priests. Notice the angels are not singing this. The angels will never be made kings and priests. Only humans. Only humans. So that if you're a Bible-believing Christian, male, female, you are, beginning, you are going to have that identity of being a king or a priest. So don't get hung up on the male. Only males can be king and priest. Get the bigger picture. We'll get into it, get the bigger picture here as we read it. And has made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign, notice here, and we shall reign on the earth. 
So if you're new to Calvary, we believe in the rapture. We believe in the seven-year tribulation. We believe in the millennial reign of Christ. At the, at, before the millennial of Christ, Jesus is going to physically come to this earth. Separation of the sheep and goats. Those people who survive the great tribulation will be judged. Only believers, only believers will go into the millennial reign of Christ. And we will rule and reign over those humans who are going to repopulate the earth for those thousand years. Until that final Judgment, the great white throne judgment. You see, these verses here go back to the Old Testament picture of the tabernacle. The tabernacle. That's why you want to read your Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Get a daily reading schedule and read your Bible every single day devotionally. I do this. I encourage you every single Sunday to do this. It's so hard. It is not hard. I have a high school education. Don't ever tell me it's hard. It's not. You're making it hard. And if it's that extremely hard, then listen to audio. But you're not, I don't really believe you're going to get the same impact. You need a devotional time. I need a devotional time. I don't do it for you. I don't do it for my studies. I do it for my desperately wicked heart. I do it for me. Now, obviously, people are going to receive the benefit of that. And if I'm not doing it, people are going to receive the benefit of that too. <clears throat> doing marriage ministry for 35 years, I just shake my head at people. Man, I wish you would, I wish you would love each other as much as you hate each other right now. If you just loved each other 50% of how much you hate each other right now, your marriage would be fantastic. And they just look at me like, yeah, but I hate them. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's move on. You see, when you went through the veil, there to your left was the golden lampstand. And this is in your Bible, but it's in the Old Testament. You've got to read your Old Testaments. Straight ahead would have been the golden altar of burning coals, and to the right would have been the table of showbread. This is in the holy place. Then beyond the veil was the holy of holies. A designated priest would go into the holy place once in the morning and once in the evening. 365 days a year. Only once a year on the day of atonement, the high priest would go into the holy of holies. Only once per year. But every day, a priest, a designated priest, and it would change would go in every single day. They would put fresh oil into the lampstand. There was no other light in the holy place except the lampstand. So they put oil in the lampstand. They would place incense upon the golden altar of burning coals, and they would change out the 12 loaves of showbread once per week. Every day, oil. Every day, incense. Twice a day, once a week, change out the showbread. If you don't know what I'm talking about, start reading your Bible. be a great study for you to do. But for this morning, the golden altar of incense was symbolic. This is very important. Symbolic of the prayers of the people in the camp, which were a few million at this time. When this was implemented, when Moses received the instructions and they built the tabernacle, when it was implemented, there was a few million adults that could pray and understand what they were asking for. The priest was not relaying, restating, or lifting up all of the individual prayers. Very, very important. Maybe you came from a religion that I did where the priest had special access to the Father and we had to go through the priest. It's not biblical. It's not in the scriptures. Old Testament, you will find that. But even the Old Testament, anyone could pray to God. But only the priest could go to the holy place and only the high priest, the holy of holies. God is a God of order. But anyone could pray at any time, anywhere. Even Gentiles that the Jews were taught to hate. That Orthodox Jews today hate. Been to Israel ten times. 
They hate Gentiles. You're a Gentile. If you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. There's one race. Isn't it so sad how the enemy comes in and twists the human race? But again, the priest was not relaying, restating, or lifting up the individual prayers, but was that representative of the overall prayers of the congregation to God. So when you read this in Revelation, it's not like the, the elders are taking the prayers because Jesus is too busy to be the intercessor. There's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. It's symbolic, because remember what God told Moses? Make the tabernacle exactly like I'm telling you because it's a representation of what is in heaven. We're seeing the representation here. The elders are bringing the prayers of the saints. Who is a saint? Are any of you saints in here? Raise your hand if you're a saint. Some of you are kind of like, I I think, I think. (laughs) If you have Jesus as your savior, you're a saint. You might not like that, but you're a saint. Okay, let's do this. Wake up. You know your name? Great. Everybody knows your name. Okay, so put Saint before your name, and on the count of three, say Saint Jim. Okay, but your name. Okay, you ready? You ready? But your name. Okay, you ready? Here we go. You got your name? You got it here? You, got it? you know what we're going to do now, right? On the count of, after I say three, you ready? One, two, three. Saint Jim. Sounds awkward, doesn't it? But it's true. Get over it. God sees you as holy, unbelievable, unreprovable. We all fall short on this side. Heaven to earth, holy, unbelievable, unreprovable. Earth to heaven? <laughs> That's why we have 1 John 1, 9. Make sure you know. See, praying to the Heavenly Father is a personal privilege that any believer can do. Trust me as a pastor, I've heard this. Where some people come up and say, Oh, pastor, I need you to pray for me. And, and I hear it in the inflection, and I say right away, well, anybody can pray for you. Matter of fact, I'm, I'm not praying. There's some prayer warriors right over here, and here, I'll direct you over to there, because I'm, I'm doing this over here. Don't lift up a person. You can all pray for each other. Ask each other for prayers. There's nothing wrong with that. If you need prayer, come up afterwards. But don't put a special emphasis on one person. Oh, if they pray for me, I'm going to be healed. No, 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 no. Your Bible doesn't work that way. That any believer can do at any time, anywhere, and about anything. It's not only for some who have gone through certain rites, but for everyone, including King David. Anybody know anything about King David? An adulterer? A murderer? A man who's made some very poor choices, numbering the people in his later years that caused the destructions of thousands of Jews out of his disobedience. But he writes this in Psalm 141. Lord, I cry out to you. Make haste to me. No adulterer should be able to pray to God. No murderer should be able to pray to God. No one who caused the tens of thousands of people that die should be able to pray to God. See, that's the mentality of some people today. Like Hamas could not be saved. Like ISIS could not be saved. Like a pedophile could not be saved. Like a gossiper could not be saved. Like someone abusing social media could not be saved. I'm just naming a few. Let my prayer be set before you as incense. David understood the seriousness of prayer. 
But he understood where it went. It went before God, symbolically through that incense altar. But he knew it was going directly to God. He knew he didn't have to be in Jerusalem to pray. He could pray anywhere. He was running for up to 10 years from King Saul, and he was praying in the wilderness. He was praying, being chased. You can pray anytime, anywhere about anything. And lifting up my hands as the evening sacrifice. So even though David was in prayer, he references the duties of the priest offering up that sweet-smelling incense before the Heavenly Father. So I see these elders in heaven, which are earthly representatives of the Old as well as the New Testament saints. You can get the teaching on that. Are representatives of what is taking place in the earthly tabernacle. But let's put up a couple slides of what Jesus had to say about praying to his heavenly Father. In John 14, 12 through 13, most assuredly I say to you, this is Jesus, in case you're new to the Bible, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples on the night before he's going to be crucified. Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, in me, not in Judaism, not in the temple, if you've been reading Jeremiah, the two southern tribes were in idolatry and they just thought, we got the temple, we're okay. It's not about a temple. It's not about Calvary Chapel. It's about a personal relationship. He who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these will he do, because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So we go to the Father in Jesus' name. Doesn't mean you have to absolutely do that every single time, but if you're new to the faith, that's the way prayer should be. You go to the Father in Jesus' name. Father, your will be done in Jesus' name. Don't get hung up on it, because some people will get hung up on that. Don't get hung up on it, but you want to read your Bible. So when we do pray, we should be praying to God, and we should be praying in Jesus' name. Well, what would be a greater work than healing the blind? I mean, Jesus healed the blind. What would be a greater work than raising the dead? He did that a few times, not just Lazarus. He did another occasion. What would be a greater work than that, that you and I can do? It's called salvation. It's called salvation. If we go out and clear out the hospitals, heal them all, but we don't tell them about Jesus and they don't get saved, they're going to hell. So there's no greater work than the work of salvation. And that's only you and I can do that. We can't expect the world, the Republican Party isn't going to do it, the Democratic Party isn't going to do it, the Socialists aren't going to do it, ambassadors for Christ are going to do it. That's our calling. Nobody else's calling. Don't be surprised the way the world's going. It's not their calling. It's our calling. Be surprised that the church isn't doing it. This church is doing it, but there are many churches that are not doing it. How about John 16, 23 through 24? And in that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. And obviously when we do go, we always end it with, or you should end it with, not necessarily verbal every single time, but at least with the understanding the mentality of Father, your will be done. You don't have to say every single time your will be done. But you should have that mentality where if the answer doesn't come back, there's three answers, right? Yes, no, wait. We love the yes. Yes, I love that. No, what do you mean no? Wait for how long? Maybe 10 years, maybe 20 years. Oh, I, I just can't trust you then. Fine. 
Your will be done then. See how that turns out. You see, when Jesus taught his disciples what is commonly called the Our Father, he was instructing them that each and every one of them could pray directly to the Father. And again, you want to take it back to that culture. That was so foreign to them. I was like, I, I can go to God? I can call God my Father? I can call him Abba? Daddy? I, I, I said that one time on a Sunday morning. And they thought, somebody thought it was irreverent. Well, how could you say that? How could because uh, it's in the Bible, so I, I guess I'm okay saying it. And I'm not being irreverent. He is my daddy. Who is he to you? When I was a Catholic, he wasn't my daddy. He was, <laughs> he was a mafia. He was up there just waiting to slap me upside the head. So I'd rather have him be my daddy than the mafia. I mean, but you, you live your life the way you want to live it. Nowhere in the Bible do we see people in heaven praying for those on this earth. Nowhere. So as we've discussed before, the biblical consisting, with the biblical consisting in mind, we can know that these elders are not relaying, restating, or lifting up the prayers of the saints, but are more representatives, but are the mere representatives of those prayers. And if you want to check out Deuteronomy 18, 9 through 14, uh, for your Catholic friends, and we need to reach them. I don't bash religions here. But if you don't know anything about the religion, how can you lovingly address them? We were taught to pray, to other people because God was too busy and Jesus was too busy. No. It's called necromancing. Don't do it. But notice as well that there were harps or instruments of praise with each elder. They were about ready to sing a new song about God's redemptive work through the cross and the cross is obviously something that we should be very thankful for. You see, Jesus has redeemed the believer from the fear of death. Don't raise your hands, but how many of you are afraid of dying? I'm I'm so excited about it. I can't wait to die. It's going to be awesome. Going to step into the throne room. If you're not excited about dying, do you know Jesus that well? I mean, what's there to be afraid of? 186,000 miles per second. Now, the way you're going to go, I'm not maybe excited about that. But at the end of the day, who cares? 80 years, 90 years, 100 years, who cares? Eternity. At 545 this afternoon... Make a mental note at 5.45 this afternoon. John is going to have been with the Lord for a thousand years. What's a hundred years? In other words, there's no clock in heaven. Don't let the enemy wrap you up in fear because Hebrews 2, 4 through 5, 14 through 15 says this, Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same that through death, Speaking of Jesus here, if you're new to the Bible, this is speaking of Jesus. He might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death. The devil does not have power to kill. God is the one that kills. Read your Bible. God gives that devil authority to do that, but the devil cannot do that. He has to approach the throne of God. But he has the power to raise fear, because fear neutralizes faith. And release those who, through fear of death, were all their lifetime subject to bondage. If you're afraid of dying, you best get in your Bible and realize who God is, who Jesus is, who the Holy Spirit is. He has made the believer kings and priests, male and female, which John taught us in Revelation 1.6. Kings represent what? authority. So don't get hung up on the male imagery. Step back, see the bigger picture. 
Kings represent authority, and the believer can have authority via the Holy Spirit over their fleshly sinful desires. On this side of heaven, during the millennial reign of Christ, male and female believers are going to be ruling as kings. We're going to have authority. Those humans, after a season, are going to want to sin. And wherever we're reigning over, if you're next to Jesus because you weren't found faithful, then be next to Jesus. If you're really faithful, you're going to be around this earth and you're going to be going, ah, 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 ah. Now, that ain't happening. And you're a cosmic killjoy. Well, you know, take it up with my dad. You're not doing that. And they're not going to be able to do that. Pedophile, stealing kids. You know, right now, you better be watching your children. This is reality. Right now, the prime child is males that are 11 to 12 years old. Stealing them off streets in America. That doesn't happen in America. Okay. It's happening in America. Wake up. The prime. The prime. People are paying money for boys that are 11 or 12 years old to have sex with, to abuse, to murder. This is America, guys. You might want to be in your fantasy land, but this is America. So we're going to be kings, and we're also going to be priests. Priests represent what? Going to God, intercessing. But again, we can all go. But it's that idea of we are going to be ruling, and we're also going to be intercessing. We're going back to Jesus. Hey, Jesus, this, this is happening over here. What should I do? Oh, this is what you should do. I don't know how that's all going to play out. This is just an example. Don't, you know, don't take it like concrete. Next notice that those who were redeemed came from the whole world. You see, God is not a respecter of persons. He makes the offer of salvation available to everyone. Psalm 19 says this, The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. I don't know if you guys noticed last night, but the pollution was so cool. Did you guys see the moon coming up? Man, was it cool. It's so red, orange, this beautiful full moon. Beautiful, the pollution. Something good about pollution and all the dust we have. It's like, wow, look at that. Amazing. Day unto day utters speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech. Notice this right here when the person asks you, well, if your God's so loving, how do they reach the poor pygmy in Africa? Just say back to them, well, you're, you're really that concerned about them? Are you really that concerned about them? If they say yes, say, I'll buy you a ticket to Africa, and they'll hear. I'm glad you're willing to go. Then they're going to back down really quick. So then you just open your Bible and say, there's no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Well, how could God do that? You you don't want to know because you don't care. You're mocking. But just know this is reality. And if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you're going to hell. So you won't have an excuse. Verse 11, as we keep moving through Revelation, we're almost, uh, yeah, we're getting there. Praise God. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000s and thousands of thousands. Now this number is not placed here so that we could figure out how many angels there are in heaven, but it's rather just a form of writing or speaking to signify that the number is more than anyone could count. It's an innumerable number of angelic beings. And what are they saying with the loud voice? Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength 
and honor and glory and blessing. Think about these angels that are saying this. They were there when Jesus spoke everything into being, this earth. They were worshiping God. And when Jesus came to this earth and went to the cross, they didn't understand that. They are not gods. They don't know the future. And they are saying, worthy is the Lamb who was slain. You are dead. To receive power and riches and wisdom, the resurrection, and strength and honor and glory and blessings. You see, the angels are proclaiming that Jesus is the only one who is found worthy to reclaim the title deed of the earth. And why? Because he is God. How do I know that? Verse 13. And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Now, this isn't talking about the animal kingdom. This is speaking of humans or angelic beings. And such as are in the sea and are that in them, I heard saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Notice that. So, blessing and honor, glory and power to him who sits on the throne. Who's the him there? God. And to the Lamb. They're equal. They're co-equal. So when a person says to you, well, the Bible never says that Jesus was God, and Jesus never said he was God, you can say, well, you haven't read your Bible. And here's another verse, that we've, and we've gone over many, many, many of them over the decades. Here's another verse that you could take them to and go, oh, right here. Oh, here's a verse for you. How about this verse? Well, no, no, there's no well. He's co-equal. And to the Lamb forever and ever. So John hears more of God's creation proclaiming the goodness of God the Father as well as the goodness of God the Son. And this is really important, especially in this area which we live in. We don't live in a heavily Muslim area. We don't live in a heavily Jehovah Witness area. And again, I don't bash religions, but we have to talk truth. We have to be mature enough to deal with what's happening. We live in a heavy Mormon area. So we need to know the truth. The Mormons teach, their doctrine is, that Jesus is the spirit brother of Lucifer. He is not the son of God. He is a son of God, lowercase s, because we're all sons and daughters of God. Because all of us were spirit babies at one time, and when you were conceived, the spirit baby came and indwelt your mother and took on your form. Don't bash me. Don't, don't cry about it. That's their doctrine. That's their doctrine. John 5. Let's look at John 5. They're bringing Jesus down to a created being, which Jehovah Witnesses do and Islam does and all the isms, Hinduism, animalism. Jesus was just a created being. He's not God. Well, we need some scriptures. Very important that we go to the scriptures. John 5, 21 through 23. For as the Father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the Son gives life to whom he will. For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son. Why? Verse 23 is very important to you for you when a Mormon comes to your door and says, Oh, I'm a Christian. No, you are not. You're not a Bible-believing Christian. You can use that word Christian, but you're not a Bible-believing Christian. Because a Bible-believing Christian is a Christ follower. Not Christ plus the Catholic Church. Not Christ plus the pearl of great price. Not Christ plus water baptism. Not Christ plus nothing. It's nothing. Christ alone. 
So, 23, that all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. So right now, guys, you know that we're approaching Revelation chapter 13, where there's going to be a one-world religion. And there are many religions that say we all worship the same God. When I was a little child, we had a rail that separated the people from the altar. If you were ever found on that altar, you were going to get the backhand of fellowship really fast. In the last 20 years, the Pope invites every religion onto the altar. Various popes have done this. We all worship the same God. We do? No, we don't. No, we don't. Because if you don't honor Jesus, then you don't honor God. So don't tell me you worship the same God as I do, because you do not. If you bring Jesus down to a created being, end of conversation. You do not honor my Father. And it goes on to say, He who does not honor the Son, notice, capital S, does not honor Jesus, does not honor the Father who sent Him. We don't have to have a theological debate on this. We don't have to have a religious debate on that. That's very understandable. If it's not, then let's look at 1 John chapter 2. Maybe this will help you a little bit further. 1 John chapter 2, 20 through 23. And again, don't argue Joseph Smith, or don't argue the Pope, or don't argue, just take him to the Bible. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. I don't need to go through anybody else to the Father, only through Jesus. 1 John 2, 20 says, But you have an anointing from the Holy One, the Holy Spirit. When, you're a Bible, when you become a Bible-believing Christian, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, if you come up after the service and ask, Jesus, and ask to receive Jesus as your Savior, we'd love to pray with you. What's going to happen is the Holy Spirit is going to come within you, and you're going to become born again, and you're going to be sealed until the day you die. So this is what this is talking about. The Holy Spirit is within you. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. I have not written... Now, does that really mean all that? No, you've got to study your Bible. I don't know all things. When I'm being born again, I, didn't, I hardly knew anything. So you want to read all of your Bible, because some people say, see, that's why I don't go to church. I don't need a pastor to tell me anything. Okay, well, you just negated several chapters of the New Testament, so if that's what you believe, then don't read all your Bible. I've not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Well, what's the truth? Jesus is God. How do I know that? Verse 22. Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? The Christ means the anointed one. On the little name tag, you want to ask them, what does Christ mean on your name tag? I have not had one of them tell me what it means. They don't know. It's deer in the headlights. I go, you're wearing his name on your name tag and you don't know what it means? And I'm not belittling them. I'm trying to stir them up. Christ means the anointed one. He's God. Because that's Greek. The old, and I'm not a Greek scholar. It's very simple to find it. Hebrew, it's Messiah. Messiah means the anointed one. The son of God. Old, new. It's the son of God. Not a created being. Not an angel. Not Lucifer's spirit brother. He's the son of God. So who is a liar? But he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. So when they come to their door, don't, don't, well, God bless you, I'll be praying for you. Read your Bible. First John says, you're in trouble if you bless them. 
you better warn them. Well, you're going to hell. You heard the truth today. You're going to hell. So don't blame me and don't blame God. Let them know. Guys, is this getting crazy these days? Where supposedly we don't know what a male or a female is? This is crazy. This is reality. Jesus said it was going to happen. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. You don't have God. You don't know God. You know your God, little g, but you do not know my God, big G. Does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Now, as we look at the activity that's taking place, which we'll have to cover next week, as the music team comes up, got some homework for you. It's going to be verses, well, it's going to be 8 through 13, 8 through 14. We're going to focus on a word, and I'll tell you what the word is. We're going to focus on the word worship. But I encourage you to do some studying. What is worship? And then we'll talk more about it next week. What is worship? When you first hear worship, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? I'm not going to tell you, but I know what it is. You, and you probably do too. And if you don't, as you think about it this week, you will. And then you want to step back and say, but what is worship? What is worship? And we'll cover that next week. It's very important, guys. Because what we worship, we will become. If we worship, I'll give too much away. So anyways, you guys study, you guys study. Be a Berean. I'm not going to spoon feed you. Be a Berean. Do some studying. What is worship? How would I define worship? And what is worship in my life? Father, we thank you and praise you for all that you're doing. Lord, just those songs were just so... Wonderful. They were so worshipful. They were so adoring. You're God, Father. And we thank you and praise you. You're not the God Father, but you're Father God. And that we can come to you anytime, anywhere, about anything. And you will never turn us away. But you'll give us an answer. Yes, no, wait. So, Father, as we study this week, extracurricular, besides our devotional, as we spend a little bit of time studying about worship and what does that mean? What does that mean in my life personally? What does that look like? May we grow to be more like Jesus. That's why we're here on this earth, to be more like Jesus. Again, Father, I thank you for all you allow us to do. This is forbidden. This is illegal in so many countries today, predominantly Muslim countries. This is illegal. But it's becoming illegal in Canada. And it's coming to America. Much of this is illegal in Europe. It's called hate speech. So, Father, help us to be wise in the days we're living in and to take this very seriously. It's wrapping up. Your son's coming back right on time. And we want to be busy about our earthly business but even more so about our heavenly business. For we only have so much time to store up treasure. It's winding down. So Father, we thank you and praise you. 
ask your blessing upon our missionaries, all the missionaries you allow us to support, and all missionaries everywhere. And for our brothers and sisters who are being held captive against their will. Father, I pray for those in India. Their churches are being burned down. Their houses are being burned down. They're being chased out of cities by radicals. Some of them are being martyred, killed, beaten to death with clubs. This is 2023. Father, we pray for them that you would bless them and encourage them and strengthen them this morning. Send your Holy Spirit to let them know that somebody's interceding in the gap for them, that they'd be encouraged and strengthened in that place. And Father, bless the the things that we have coming up, the Samaritan's purse, the boxes. that, That is so precious, Father. Help us to pray over those boxes, to pray over those clothes, to pray over those toys, to pray over the little child that's going to receive it. Reaching, reaching, reaching tens of thousands of people that we would never reach individually. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity to serve you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.